Target Friends Show. What's up, my bloggy friends? Famous Ashley Grant here, and I'm thrilled to be bringing Ryan Brock of Demand Jump on the show. We're going to be chatting about how to make it easier to make money as a copywriter. We're also going to chat about AI, ChatGPT, and how to position yourself to get hired despite all the bots that are taking over the world. Let's get into it. Ah, but I like your rambles. Your rambles actually make a lot of sense. And and, and that's one of the things that I enjoyed about the uh, the demand webinar, um, the demand jump webinar you guys held is when you were rambling, I was jotting more notes from your rambles. <laughs> this, is, so, this is the intended effect. That's good to hear. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, if your rambles make sense, then they're not just rambles. They're actually just knowledge bombs. <laughs> I feel like I could work some of that into like an autobiography title for myself. Like I'm allowed to ramble because they make some sense sometimes. There you go. In fact, I'll send you the recording then. <laughs> anyway. Awesome. Okay. So basically, before we hit record, we were talking all about what it is you do, but kind of give me like the Reader's Digest version of what it is you do and what brought you here today. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I am the Chief Solution Officer at Demand Jump. We are a software as a service company that serves marketers who are tired of waste in organic content marketing and SEO. So I, my background is in content marketing. I started a content marketing agency at the ripe old age of 23 with zero experience in marketing or business or anything. I just was a writer and I wanted to make money writing. And I knew that, you know, the first few clients that I attracted were really excited to work with me because I was bringing a certain level of craft to the, the experience because I was a creative writer. Like I was an English kid. Right. And so I started hiring other English kids and we started doing, um, you know, really creative and fun work and experimenting with how do we build a team of writers, uh, that is, that is designed not as like, not from the perspective of like the whole, like a writer as a lone wolf thing, but like, you know, when you go to school to learn to write, you, you learn to write in teams, like you're with other people, you're going through workshops, you're having to take feedback. Like those are all great things. They're valuable things, especially when it comes to like creating a, a piece of corporate content, which is like the ultimate, you know, designed by committee experience, you need to be able to work with other people. You need to be able to also know that your first instincts probably aren't always the right ones. And so over the years, we just, we built this agency. It was called Metonymy Media. Um, and it was, it was based on take the creative writer and the skills they learn in creative writing, bake in everything that comes with digital marketing and try to keep ahead of the trends that are coming and, and basically plug into whatever's happening. So when I got started, it was, you know, the early days of, uh, of SEO. Um, and people were just like grasping at straws, trying to figure out how do we get rankings and how do we drive organic traffic? And, um, I watched many companies come and go get sued into oblivion because whatever loophole they were exploiting ended up getting closed by Google. And it just, it was very stressful. And eventually it turned me off of the whole idea of like trying to write content that's going to rank on Google. But over the years, it's become very clear that like the the best monetary value you can attach to like content for a business, if you're writing blogs, which I think for most people, when they think about like content writing, there's a lot of stuff that you're writing, but blog writing is like the bread and butter of your, your content writer in my experience. And if you're going to write 50 blogs, you want as many of those blogs as possible to show up on page one of search rankings so that you can go to your client and you can say, 
we're, we're connecting with your audience. We're driving free traffic to you. Now you paid that one time investment. Now you're getting all this traffic. Um, you know, that's, that's super important. And so over the years running my agency, I started with a full head of hair. Now I don't have any. And that has a lot to do with the fact that like selling content without that clear value driver is just so hard to do. Selling writing is just very difficult. At the end of the day, even if someone really likes your writing, if it's not driving business results, it's not going to be a priority when it comes to spend. And, you know, the ups and downs and economic turmoil that I've seen over my career, it's just, it's a scary thing to be a writer, to be an artist of any kind, trying to make a living doing what you do. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I was really focused by the end of my agency ownership days on how do I sell writing so that I can look my client in the eye and say, we're going to be good stewards of your money. You give us your investment. We're going to produce something that is going to drive business outcomes for you. And it's going to be better than what you'd get from somebody else. And when I found demand jump, that's when I found the secret to making that happen. Now, you said the secret to making that happen. Explain what in the world you mean by the secret to making that happen is. So Demand Jump had originally been a, a sort of an analytics and attribution company helping people understand what parts of their marketing are driving results. So you know, kind of in line with what I'm talking about, about wanting to make sure that you're investing in the right places. But they had just started taking their technology and applying it towards the problem of content, like the very problem that I you know, was, was convinced needed to be solved. And as I got, got to be, you know, I became a customer of theirs. They became a, a client of mine. We started working together and we started sort of experimenting together around this data that demand jump had access to that nobody did. So the amazing thing about demand jump and its approach to content marketing is rather than going into something like a legacy SEO tool and saying, okay, I am in the, uh, running shoes business. And then just getting a list of keywords that are in that tool's database that are prioritized by things like monthly search volume or competitiveness. What demand jump does is it says, forget all that, because what that does is it creates bias. You're going to, you're going to look for keywords that seem like they're close to a purchase intent. So you're going to prioritize the ones that, that look like they're going to lead to a sale for you. You're going to pick the ones with the higher search volume, but keep in mind that like even Google, who is the holder of all this data won't give you any search volume data on questions. And there are a lot of questions that people ask in the search engines and Google themselves shows you that, right? They give you the people also ask questions when you Google something. And that's an important part of the search experience. But if you're using these old school SEO methods to evaluate, what should I write about the metrics fail you because they don't actually incentivize you to answer a basic question. And, and I can tell you how many times I've spoken with a marketer who says, we didn't really want to answer like, um, why do I need running shoes on, on my blog? Because it's so basic and our customers are better than that. And they, they know more than that. It's going to make us look stupid. And plus there's no search volume around it. And it's like, well, yeah, if you look at it that way, that's true. The way the demand job looks at search behavior data is as it's like a big data problem and then it's a behavior issue. So if you start with running shoes, then I'm going to switch my metaphor because it's easier. If I start with content marketing, because that's what I know, that's what I think a lot of people listening to this probably know. I start with the concept of, of content marketing and I, I run a search for that on Google. I'm going to get a series of people also ask questions. I'm going to get related searches after the first 10 results or so. What we have historically called page one, but I still call page one, even though there's an infinite scroll within those recommendations, 
we're seeing a one step removed, like sort of experience path that Google has taken the time to understand and map out. They're saying people who search what you just searched for tend to also search for this. Now, what if you were to take those, those recommended searches and then you were to see what recommended searches come up for each one of those? And then what if you were to take each one of those and see what recommended searches come up for each one of those? By the time you get three or four levels down, we're talking about an exponential amount of recommendations of connected, interconnected terms. When you analyze that data in the right way, using the right technology, you can start finding patterns. And what ends up happening is you can turn out something like a spider web graph of here's your topic and all of the related behavior surrounding this topic. And it's sort of spatial. Like you can see which ones are, are most central to the core topic you started with, which ones are farther out, but also which ones show up the most in these different journeys people take, which ones, you know, if someone searches this question and this question and this question and this question, which are the questions that they keep coming up again and again and again. And long story short, what demand jumps tech does is it analyzes all that and says, forget about everything, you know, or you think, you know, about this topic. These are the pieces of content you need to write and address if you are going to rank and, and drive real authority. So working with demand jump, um, we developed this methodology called pillar based marketing. It's a, it's, we, we think of it as like sort of a new subcategory in digital marketing and content marketing. Um, and it's all about aligning the customer behavior and ignoring a lot of that old SEO noise that doesn't, doesn't work. And once we started employing this pillar-based marketing methodology, which by the way, is the name of a book, pillar-based marketing that's coming out March 28th, uh, that I wrote uh, along with the co-founder of, uh, demand jump Toaf day. So you should definitely look that up. Um, it, um, it just, it, it cuts out all the noise when you combine that with that data. And, and basically we could say to anybody, okay, company, no matter what industry you're in, give us a topic. We are going to tell you to write 16 pieces of content. That's it. Just 16 pieces of content, link them together in the way that we do cover the topics in the way we tell you to. And rather than waiting six months, nine months, whatever it takes to get results, you are going to start ranking for many keywords on page one, pretty much instantly. So like just at a really high level example of, of what this looks like, the manager, we've been using this strategy for the last two years. Um, and, and so I sold my business to demand job. That's the end of the story, by the way, I keep saying we, I eventually sold my agency to demand job and said, I need to be a part of this because it's literally changed my business. Um, and changed the way that I think about selling writing and it made it so much easier because we can be confident that what we're doing is right. So we're at the point now where if we decide that we want to write a new pillar of content and we call that, that topical network, a pillar, that's why it's pillar based marketing. Um, we can write, I think in October, we wrote about uh, 28 pieces of content around software as a service, marketing and content and things like that. Um, first off, we only published 14 pieces, the first batch that we did. And within five days, we had over a hundred, over a hundred page one rankings, driving an insane amount of new organic traffic to our website. Um, within six weeks, we had published 28 pieces of content. We had over 500 page one rankings for various keywords within those topic networks. And the amount of, of traffic we were driving was very concrete and very measurable. And immediately when that started, we were able to say, oh, this is our best month for organic traffic ever. And that also means it was our best month for organic leads ever. And it's very, very easy for us to see as those rankings go up, our traffic goes up, that traffic is better qualified. 
Uh, it takes about a third of the time to close a new deal from the traffic that comes from organic than it does from like a paid source. And then we can spot that the whole way through. So like the whole calculus of selling writing now, it's totally different because I'll, I'll work with an agency and say, do these things, you will win. And they, every time it works, it works every single time. Now, the reason this fascinates me so much is because, okay, 2007, Baby Ashley was just beginning writing. Uh, I was writing for uh, newspapers and magazines and trying to get my name anywhere anyone would listen. Then 2008 hits and all the freelancers are the first to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're all getting let go left and right because they're doubling down on their staff. And because they're salaried, they can make them do more articles for no extra pay. So then... Um, Fast forward a few years and ghostwriting fell in my lap. Like when I say fell in my lap, I literally mean someone called me and was like, hey, I need a blog, but I don't have time to write it. Can you be me? And so that's kind of how I was plunged into the ghostwriting world and into the writing for um, not getting my name on it, but still getting the cash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, that's my whole life for 10 years. I hear you. Yeah. And so, um, you know, fast forward again. And in, in 2016, I started working for a software as a service agency, like a, a marketing agency, and they were doing the pillar based, the pillar based marketing, um, like content type thing. Uh, and unfortunately, because of the fact that it was only a small team of writers, it was a lot of content to produce and you couldn't do it like fast enough. You know, you were saying that um, in the demand jump webinar that you had, uh, that you should publish it as quickly as you can. And, you know, we would be in a situation where it would be several weeks before we could get even Article 1 published because you got so many cooks in the kitchen, all that thing. And uh, but it's interesting that with the pillar based marketing, yes, these people were were ranking for things that, you know, would have otherwise taken a long time. And so I was experimenting with some of my other clients with the idea of creating a campaign rather than just trying to rank for random keywords. And I actually got a couple of clients on page one of Google without even trying. And so yeah. that that's that's kind of what turned me on to whenever I found out about the webinar. Um, I also don't even know how it landed in my inbox. Like, I, I don't know where it came from, but I ended up there. And um, you must be involved with search engine land on some level, because I think they're, they're the ones that hosted it. Yeah, yeah. I, I must be. But uh, whatever that whatever caused it to, to land in my lap, I uh, I had to hear what you guys had to say, because. You know, there were all these things I was thinking about, and especially now with everything going on with AI and copywriters getting let go left and right, I had to hear what you had to say. So um, so that's kind of the, the Reader's Digest version of my background in terms of how I got into content writing. Now, so I'm curious, with all this data, with all this stuff, all this amazing, you know, secret sauce that you guys have put together, how does that work for people who are now, like, letting go of their copywriters because they want to use AI? What do you say to the, the copywriter who's still trying to get work and c- competing with these tech problems. <laughs> yeah, okay, so if you're the if you're that copywriter, this is what I'm about to say is your best defense, and it's, it's 100% right. This is not really a matter of opinion right now. Uh, we'll, we'll start with fact, then we'll get into opinion, okay? First, the facts. Something like ChatGPT is literally just analyzing the internet up until 2021 and then producing for you the general consensus of an answer to your question. If you're asking for an essay on something, you're asking for an article, you're asking for an answer, 
what you're getting back is like the the median answer. It's it's just like this is what most people say. But at the end of the day, if most people are saying that, what ChatGPT is doing is it is taking other people's ideas and it is repackaging them in a slightly different sentence structure and giving it back to you. So first of all, it is plagiarism, whether you like it like to believe it or not. Like like the you marketer who wants to just say I'm going to use ChatGPT instead of uh, writers, it's plagiarism. You might not have the scruples that I do, but that's just not cool. I could, like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, that's just like, that's not how a good business operates, especially when the purpose of content marketing is to provide value. Are you adding anything new to the world by just scraping what somebody else says um, and, and putting it out there? I don't think you are. And now I've realized that I've kind of started with opinion a little bit, but it's all blended together. I mean, these are my opinions on the facts, I guess. And the other, the other fact that is inescapable and has been demonstrated is, is that when Google released the spam algorithm update last year, which was one of like a succession, quick hits of like four updates that happened all in a row. Uh, there was, there was spam before that there was the helpful content update. There were a few core algorithm updates in there and all of these updates together sort of they, they established Google's position in a way that had never been established before around what constitutes helpful content and what constitutes spam. And what we ended up seeing was, uh, so Neil Patel is like the guy when it comes to SEO, you know, you, with Uber suggest and all the stuff, like if you want to get in a, you know, an A-lister in the SEO world, he's your man. He, he runs a hundred websites that were all, uh, all populated with AI generated content. Um, 50 of them are just straight up, whatever comes out of the AI tool. The other 50 are edited by people, which is another thing I'm seeing people trying to get rid of their copywriters and say, I want to hire you to use chat GPT and edit it to make it sound better. In both cases, the, the moment the spam update went live, um, Traffic dropped immediately and so did rankings. So on the, on the AI content that was not touched by human hands, there was a 17% drop in organic traffic overnight. That's a lot. Like that's enough to send my CMO for the running for the Hills. Like that's not good. Even the stuff that was manipulated by humans dropped by 6% overnight. Again, that is a problem. That's something that like a good marketer is going to say, huh, we need to fix that. Um, so before that, and now since after it, Google has said, we know how to spot AI content. It doesn't matter which tool you use. doesn't matter how much you edit it. There are patterns that we will find. And there's some people out there that are calling it like watermarking that, um, something like ChatGPT might actually have built into it, some sort of watermarking system, like a, like Leonardo da Vinci Enigma code or something that we can't see, but that is very clear to the, to the people with the keys, right? So. Google has demonstrated that they, they will flag AI generated content as spam. And the reason for it's very simple. It's not just like some big thing, some like big, uh, I don't know, moral stand that they're taking. They have said from the start, their webmaster tools, like their, their guidance and their, their terms of service say that you, you cannot publish scraped content. If, if people find that you're using scraper, if you are scraping other people's content and publishing it you will be hit by that. You'll, you'll be punished for that. Um, and they're saying in their opinion, what we have now, what is, what the technology is able to produce now 
is scraped content. It might be edited scraped content, but it's still scraped content. And so they're going to punish you if they can find it. So I think it's going to be a lot like back in like 2011, 12, when, you know, before Panda happened, the algorithm update that killed the backlinking farms, it was an arms race between SEOs and Google to say, oh, well, you say that you don't want us creating fake backlinks to our content. Well, we'll just find a better way to do it that you can't find. And then they close that loophole and then go again and again and again. That's what's that's what's happening now, I think, and what's going to happen for a while. So you could probably use ChatGPT to write a blog for you to right now and get some immediate rankings, especially if you're using like data like Demand Jump has. Um, but the reason I wouldn't do that is because I am not willing to get fired or get sued or something like that in six months when whatever thing I did ends up being findable by Google. And they basically say, no, we're shutting that down. And, and your whole website might change because of it. I've seen it happen before and they've said, don't do it. So that that's what I would be saying if I were a copywriter to anyone who's trying to like, you know, get, get AI to replace me. Yeah. Maybe in 20 years, there's a certain amount of like objective content that we could trust an AI with. There's still going to be a level of subjectivity of opinion of, just, you know, perspective that an AI is not going to be able to do. I, I don't think anytime soon, maybe ever. And, uh, that makes me feel like writers should feel pretty safe in their jobs. As long as they can argue this, you know, using the facts the right way. Well, thank God for that, because, uh, I, I definitely am in the camp where, uh, you know, I, I have lost some clients to, to the, the tech. And I do have some clients coming to me saying, well, can you, can we bring you back on at an AI rate? And, um, you know, you do this thing, you do this dance where you kind of have to say yes to some of it because y you need the, the money, you need to pay the bills. But I, I definitely am interested to see, anxious to see, I should say, where things are going to go in the near future and in, and then beyond. Um, I, I what think you, that, go ahead. What are you hearing from them? I mean, are you getting justifications? Are they, are they saying things about is it just a matter of, of cost and simplicity or, or do they believe that this is, you know, these tools are the end all be all? For most of the people that I'm talking with, it is a cost factor. Um, it's very hard to justify spending, you know, 250 to $500 on an article when, you know, uh, an AI can do it for $40 a month and give you, what is it? 10,000 words on Jasper or 50,000 words on Jasper. I don't know. But, uh, um, I, I, I I don't know what to expect next. I, I just know that I'm hearing a lot of uh, writers in, in my circle and beyond and, and friends of friends that are literally freaking out because, you know, their their jobs are getting cut overnight and they're losing clients left and right. And so now we're all trying to kind of regroup and figure out, OK, what do we do in this brave new world? Like, how do we navigate these new waters? Um, and, and so, you know, like I even got an email yesterday. How much are you charging for AI versus if you write it from scratch? And and that's a very frustrating question to answer because it's like I I'm so used to writing a specific way where I actually do the research, I actually put thought into it, I actually you know do all the things. And so then to go back and and be like, okay, well let this thing just push a button and then make it look sexier. I I combat the 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 monsters in my mind going, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's hard because I want to give the client what they want. I want to make the clients happy, but, and I want to, you know, keep food on the table, but, um, 
It's just a brave new world. <laughs> okay, I feel like I've earned the right to say this because some people are—they'll say things like this, but they've never had to—they've never had to put any skin in the game. Like, I mean, I—I I have suffered for my art. I have gone without. I have, you know, had the very tough times trying to be a writer and make it in this world. So keep that in mind when I say that, like, giving keeping your clients happy and giving them what they want means coming to the table prepared to show them how stupid they are sometimes it's it's not i mean i keep talking about organic traffic there's a lot of things people write content for there's social media there's emails there's there's you know lead gen content there's sales collateral there's so much that you could write but if i have to sell content i want to be able to say what I'm doing for you is driving business results and it's measurable and it's better than what somebody else could do for you. So if you go to the table with someone prepared to negotiate and they say to you, I want to pay you a lower rate for AI, bring your receipts. I mean, do your research. The things that I'm talking about right now, when it comes to like the, the penalties that come from, from Google, the results that people like Neil Patel have seen the the overriding opinion and the information about how these these tools work what they're doing to scrape content and regurgitate it um it all comes together to paint a very clear picture that it's like you know you can either say i want the robot because it's fun or it's new or it's like the cool new thing or it's cheaper or you can waste all the time you have and all the money you have while your competitors go out and they actually drive business results with content and so like when I, with the tools that we have at Demand Jump and with the methodology that we teach alongside it, it's very easy for me to look anybody in the eye. I mean, I'll look at any client from any kind of a business, and Fortune 100 companies, all the way down to mom and pop shops, and I'll say, You want us to write certain things. You want us to do it in certain ways. You have your opinions on what's going to work. You're not hiring me for my opinion. You're not hiring me to do what your opinion is. You're hiring me for results. And what I have for the first time in a whole career over the, you know, since I joined Demand Jump and since we built this thing, what I have is a bulletproof methodology that works every single time that isn't a, a silver bullet, isn't a loophole, but actually is a data-driven methodology for organic content. So as a writer, where I used to try to win business by saying my writers are creative writers, they're college professors, they're authors, they're really, really talented. That's all great, and it's all necessary, okay? You don't have to be, like, a creative writer. You don't have to be a college professor to have good craft. So I don't want that to sound elitist, because it's not. I, that's important. You need that human touch. That's something that AI doesn't have. But more important than that, and the reason it sounds so capitalist and so not what an artist would say, and I hear myself saying it, and I'm like, eh, but you got to put food on the table. If you can connect what you're doing to a measurable outcome and it's better than what anybody else can do, you have something valuable. And right now there's nothing that any AI tool can do to get even close to the results that a human writer can get to if they leverage the data and then the pillar-based marketing methodology that we're talking about. It's just every single time it's going to work. And I've seen customers, um, like I, I've worked with writers and agencies who are using this stuff who used to charge $150 for a blog post that I'm like, you got to be charging like $500 because that's the kind of value that you're driving. And very quickly they find themselves being able to charge even more money than they used to because they're speaking in terms that marketers and importantly, business leaders understand. This is a cost benefit analysis. That's all it is. It's not about, Hey, you need content and 
don't you believe in humanity and don't you want to see the robots lose and the people win? It's not about that. It's about, I will drive results that the robots cannot. And if you can do that, you're going to win. Well, I am curious, though. Do you think that there is a space at all for AI? And and what I mean by that is, if you're not using it to write the whole article, what do you think about using it for ideation? I got, okay. Here's what I think is going to happen over the next few years. And then I'll get back to answering your question. And okay. This is background. I think what's about to happen is there's going to be a very clear line in the sand drawn between simple objective fact and complex subjective information. It's not going to be something we all agree on. It's going to be something that we create with our behavior. As we use tools like like ChatGPT or we use like Bing with its new features or Google and Bard and all the new S, the new AI stuff they're pulling in, these companies are going to be able to start understanding the difference between what does the market generally think is information that is 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 trustworthy uh it let me rephrase that what is information that they're willing to just trust what an ai says you know what is something that is so simple that like you don't need complex opinions or authority or anything like that you just want to know how many liters fits in a gallon okay you can ask an ai that question and you can get that answer and you don't really feel like you need to attribute that to anybody it, at the same time it's not groundbreaking it's it's sort of a piece of information that has been documented so well by by civilization to this point that like we don't really need to we're not need to add anything new to it there's nothing new to say about it it is what it is i think what's going to happen is we're going to we're going to see people using these ai functionality in search and in ai tools separate from search for information like that and i think we might even be surprised about how broad that that set of information is it might be things we might never even thought that we would just say it's worth it to me to get an answer like that by asking question in plain language and trusting that it's good than it is for me to go out and perform a search and do real research on something. So the other side of that is we are going to find that there is a lot out there that we will never trust an AI to tell us that we want human beings and we want competing opinions, competing, differing perspectives. I want the market to tell me where is the best place to buy a Ford Bronco. I don't want an AI to tell me that I want five places that sell Ford Broncos to compete for my business by, by appealing to different parts of the rhetorical triangle, by coming at me from ethical perspectives or path, you know, emotional perspectives or logical perspectives. I want them to engage in a little bit of like persuasion and philosophy. And I want to be able to decide for myself among all of these perspectives, what I want. So all of that to say, if your marketing strategy as a business is based on the first set of information, you're just giving out info that's not adding anything new to the conversation, you're not doing a good job of content marketing. If you're able to add something new to the conversation, there's a good chance that you're actually providing value to your customers that is not just rote. And that's something that is worth investing in, in my opinion. So back to the original question, I think that like, you know, I've, I've had a conversation with, with our writers at Demand Jump on this several times, several conversations actually. And our, our general consensus is like, we're not going to trust like a, something like Jasper or ChatGPT to do our research for us because most of the time we're writing about niche topics with complex considerations that need to be made. 
And if we end up finding information that's valuable, we're probably going to want to use it, which means we're going to want to sort it, source it. We're going to want to cite it. We're going to want to give attribution to the people who got it from. Right now, you're not getting that from any of these AI tools. And that's a big problem that we're going to have to face together. Like, right, we're really good at getting our customers to win the featured snippet at the top of Google search results, the like question box. Well, it looks like what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months is that Google's going to just cut that out and replace it with an AI response which is still getting information from the same sorts of places that the answer boxes were getting it. But now you don't get a link and you don't get attribution and you'll get a source, which means Google's like kind of controlling what is true. And that, that should be worrying to us, I think. And it's the same thing going into like a, a research situation. I think there, there's probably a lot, and I've seen a lot of like creative, fun little things like party tricks people do about getting, getting it to write a haiku or getting it to write a poem. That's cool. If you're writing like content designed to solve a problem or provide value, um, I, I'm not sure that I would trust my research process to these tools. I've even been on a webinar where I said, yeah, I use it for research, but I've been thinking about it more. I don't know. I think like maybe it could do some things like help you get, like if I was trying to find like a really basic answer to a question about a new topic I'm writing about for the first time, I would probably use G GPT. I'd probably find myself backing that up though, by going on a Google search. So, you know, this is, these are the big philosophical questions we're going to be asking ourselves. Like you're asking me, can we use it for research? And I'm again, rambling for 20 minutes because I'm like, eh, depends on what you want to do and, and how you want to attribute information. And if you want to be an honest researcher, or if you want to be somebody who just trusts the robot. And we found that those robots don't always get it right. And, uh, even when they do, we, you're just sharing majority consensus on a topic. And that's not always what people need. Well, not all this, not what people need, but sometimes it's, it's uh, just adding fuel to the fire of ignorance and stupidity. <laughs> but um, but one of the things that I, I've been kind of enjoying about ChatGPT and, and um, the word hero and the and the Jasper and all that good stuff is if I'm like really stumped for an intro, then I, I might just plug in something to just give me a spark. Um, and then I don't use it at all. I'll, I'll write something completely different. But like, sure. Just, yeah. to, just so that I get that cursor to quit blinking at me. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, I mean, what's, what's smart about that is you're just looking for, you're looking for something to give you something to latch on to. And I think you're recognizing what AI tools represent, which is just like an easier way of engaging with information. Like you, it's easier to ask in conversational language, something to like write something for you just to see an, a differing opinion than it is to go to Google and try to come up with the right search query for like examples of intro sentences for blog posts in the automotive industry like as you're not going to find anything there right so like yeah there's there's totally uses for this sort of shortcut but like you just got to be clear with ourselves what this tool is and what it isn't it's not sentient ai it's not a creator it's a regurgitator yet, <laughs> yeah not yet and hopefully what it is it listens to this and knows that we love it and we support it and we don't want it to hurt us but um, we have snacks <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, it's, it's a tool and it just, it, all it does is help you get some information quicker than you would otherwise. It's no different than a keyboard or a mouse and it's, uh, you know, not gonna, not gonna do your job for you, but it'll get you started. Like, I, I love that. That's, that's great. Now I, I didn't mean to, to completely go down a, an AI, uh, tangent, but you know, because we're talking about trying to get like 16 to 28 pieces of content out, of course, that was going to pop into my brain, especially since I'm working on an article now about how to properly use AI to write a blog post. So this is all very insightful and helpful. So I really appreciate it. 
yeah. getting back to uh, what we were talking about, the pillar-based marketing and uh, using it to to sell your services as a as a content writer. I, I know that this will be hard because you, we both like to ramble. It's what we do. We're writers. But in in like just a few sentences, what would you say is the best way a copywriter can use the pillar-based marketing strategy to get clients? So we use our own technology and you can go to, I mean, the, the only reason I pitch this is because we're the only tool that's built around this methodology and we're the only people who have been able to bring the methodology to where it is today with that data. So if you go to demandjob.com, you can get a free account, you'd start doing research anytime. So there, you start paying for it when you want to like do things like automate your pillar strategy and figure out what those things are. But if you want to get the lay of the land around what are the topics and questions and things that people actually care about around a topic, or you want to see like where a domain is ranking or where other domains are ranking for those, those various to uh, keywords in that topic network, you can do that for free. You can get right in and start doing that. So the way that we use it to, to sell our business and the way that I know agency partners of ours use it to sell, sell content is they go in and they say, okay, this is uh, the customer I want to work with, someone I'm negotiating with. They reached out. Um, I'm going to get a sense for like what's an important topic for them by looking at their website. I'm going to figure out who their top competitors are, not just in business, but also in like just like um, brain share, right? Like mind share. Like who else is trying to rank for the topics for this topic out there on the internet? Who's showing up on page one for that topic right now? And then you let Demand Jump do its thing. It's going to go out there. It's going to find, you know, okay, here's what this network of terms looks like. Here's what, what portion of it you are ranking for, where it matters. Here's what portion of it your customers are. More often than not, we'll find like, hey, you might be writing content about this topic, but you're, you're choosing your own keyword list. And actually, if you look at the network, your keyword list and the network don't really align all that well. These are the important terms. And we actually we prioritize those terms in terms of connectivity in the network and how important they are to that journey. And we put them in a prioritized order. We'll tell you, these are the ones that matter the most. And you're losing to your competition real bad here. It, it just shifts it. And, and all those conversations and the, the too many cooks in the kitchen back and forth on what should we write about and what should it sound like? It all goes away because I'm saying, no, your opinion's invalid. <laughs> this is the state is right. This is what we need to do. So that, you know, we can, we can take that content out, uh, take that data out and go to a customer and say, you have a real opportunity here to take some of your paid ad spend, which is getting more expensive all the time and develop 16 pieces of content and own this topic and take away first page rankings from your competition. And that's just going to get better over time. And you're just going to keep driving free traffic long after you stop paying for it. And uh, that's worthwhile. That's awesome. Oh my God, that is so good. And and the thing is that the big thing that just, it, it just, I wrote it down like six times already. Data and analytics don't lie. Like we're yeah. not just, it's not just copywriters being like, oh, pay me because I, you know, really need to pay my bills. It's data and analytics don't lie. And that's why I'm excited about playing with Demand Jump and, and seeing what I can unlock in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, make sure when you post this show, post my like LinkedIn profile, uh, tell people, you know, message me, talk to me about this. I literally wrote the book on this methodology. I will help you. Uh, my whole mission has always been helping writers make a living and, and succeeding and then in turn helping, you know, people. I, part of why I believe in this whole strategy and what we're doing is I think it's going to make marketing better. 
you know, if, if we can convince businesses to stop looking inward and instead look at their customers and listen and actually say, where are they struggling? Where do they need our help and, and provide that help? Then I know that I'm helping divert some marketing dollars away from ads that nobody wants to see and into help. It's just the concept of helping another human being. And that's really, really cool to me. And it's super important because I think we're all so fatigued by the ads and the constant interruptions in our daily life. Let's as marketers take a step back and say, actually, there is a place where people are volunteering that they need help. They're, they're coming out and they're saying, I am someone who needs help. Why don't we just meet them there? Um, that, that's cool. I want to help you do that. So check it out. Reach out to me if you want to talk about it and, and learn more about the methodology. Uh, learn more about uh, how to use this technology to fuel your content strategies and even find customers. Uh, I'd be happy to help and talk to anybody who needs it. That's awesome. And now, is LinkedIn the best place to find you? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, you can email me. Um, I'll, I'll give I'll give you my email address so we can you know throw that in the show notes or whatever to you. But okay. uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I'm there. And Demand Job it actually also has tutorials and trainings on there as well, right? Oh yeah, if you're not sick and tired of hearing my voice anymore, we've got a whole university. Uh, and that you know you you sign in, you create your free account, and then you just go to university.demandjump.com or you click on the help section in Demand Jump, the app, and we've got uh, courses on pillar based marketing, uh, the introduction to it, uh, how to use the platform to to drive these things, and then we actually have certification courses in pillar based marketing strategy and pillar based marketing writing. The writing one's great, probably for our our audience here because it's going to tell you what parts of SEO are bunk and are vanity and don't do anything and tell you what to actually focus on to drive results um, and get you a nice certification to put on your LinkedIn profile or your website. So uh, that's yeah. awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And I think everybody should definitely check out all the links that we're going to throw in the show notes um, because we're basically going to be giving you a treasure map to get more money as a writer. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, Ryan, I thank you so much for, for being here today. I think everything you shared is awesome. And I, I hope that it gives value to the to the bloggers that are tuning in because I know everybody wants to be internet famous on their own right, on their own channels and all that good stuff. But to be able to figure out how to leverage everything that is going on online and be able to make money for themselves and their clients, I think it's just a win-win for everybody. <laughs> well said, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Well, my bloggy friends, I hope you enjoyed all the insights our guests had to share with you. To get the show notes for this and all episodes, go over to famousashleygrant.com backslash podcast. And until next time, may your page fees be high and your bounce rate be low.